I'm Chanel Shaw. And I'm Katie Persia McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. So today we are going to talk about Holy Week and the Triduum and celebrating it well. And I'm sure in this whirlwind that has been coronavirus and, you know, the summer coming and springtime seeming more hopeful, like there's life outside. I have forgotten that it is even Lent and that Holy Week is even coming, but I really want to prepare for it and like do my best and enter into that season well. So Holy Week is a great time to just reflect and prepare myself for what Easter is. Um, What would you say about someone preparing during Holy Week, trying to get themselves together? What's your advice? That's a very, no, no, very stop. loaded question. Also, I just admitted yeah. to you that yeah, I like, haven't been doing anything for Lent. So <laughs> it's also like the big question. It's wide <laughs> yeah. open. I love it. It's like something that's on priest hearts. So like anyone who's really kind of living deeply the liturgy and the, and the, the rhythm of the church, we all know and love Holy Week. And we know mm-hmm. it to be like the, the key time of the year. So as a priest and anyone involved in ministry or working for the church, we're always trying to figure out the answer to that question. Like, how do we get people to understand that when we enter into this, it's the deepest and most important thing. And, and praying it well really does unlock and open up the whole year and like the whole of our faith. Mm. And so, yeah, you know, I was thinking about your, that question, you know, and like this year, especially thinking about like last year, we didn't have a triduum, you know, we couldn't yes. attend Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter vigil at the, what we call the triduum. And so this is like a really rich year. And still there are some people who can't attend for various reasons, but we can kind of come back to the Lord and sort of like treasure it in a way that maybe we didn't in the past because we're we're able to like wake up to it again. And I just think there's a really, really rich opportunity on this year to enter in. And so I was praying about that. And I think one one element that lately has been striking me, maybe like high level, and then I give some practicals, but at the high level is is the theme of suffering. And, and as we look at where we were, you know, a year ago and where we've been over this year, suffering has been so prevalent and we could all name a lot of layers to the suffering we've endured for a host of reasons throughout this whole time. And sometimes we like over celebrate suffering, get kind of obsessed with it. Sometimes we ignore suffering or want to run from it and eliminate all of it. And that's not really the Christian message. And, and when we really think about Holy Week, it's a week where the focus is actually on suffering until the end. But, but up until the late at night on the Easter Vigil, the whole week is really about suffering. And, and I think that's really life-giving when we enter into that part. Like Christ himself within the Triduum engaged every suffering. Like Holy Thursday engaged uh, emotional suffering. Like all of the interior anguish of, of knowing betrayal, um, of, of sweating these teardrops or these sweat droplets of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, this inner anguish that we can't even imagine how deep it was. And then he goes on to, to experience a physical suffering and anguish that we'll never fully have to suffer ourselves. So the hope there is that like no suffering eludes um, the ability to be related to Christ, that Christ has entered into the full range, emotional and physical suffering. And that points us toward what he does with it, which is empty it of its power, turn it inside out and, and shatter the hold of the darkness and the suffering that had crept in even upon him and creeps in upon our world and upon our hearts. He vacates that of its power, shattering death and rising at the Easter Vigil and on an Easter Sunday. And so if we let that pattern be written into our Holy Week and written into the way we pray through the parts of our lives where there's pain, physical or emotional, uh, what hope and, and what a way out 
And also what a way not to like dread suffering and flee from it, but also not to over accentuate or celebrate it, but just to let it be our encounter with Christ over and over again with a different pattern each year, but always with the hope that we know exactly where this is pointed, which is the life of the resurrection. So that's the high level. And maybe I'll, I'll kick back to you before I just talk too long. No, you're not. I mean, wow. I, that, wow. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really need to give God some of my suffering. That sounds, that is dope. I didn't even think about it like that. So that's awesome. We appreciate you, all your knowledge and wisdom. Katie, what do you, <laughs> what do you think? I think we're both just sitting here with our mouths open. That's amazing. <laughs> well, I'm I'm remembering our um our deep dive interview last year, Father, when we we did about an hour and a half on Holy Week <laughs> for Ave Explorers. And you said something then about how it's interesting that Holy Week, obviously we know how the story ends, Easter, but it begins with the Passion. We hear the Passion twice in Holy Week, Palm Sunday, which I'm not going to lie, I kind of enjoyed being able to listen to it at home last year. <laughs> I was pregnant a year ago, so Palm Sunday standing up for the Passion was not something I was looking forward to. But I'm really excited to get to go back into our physical church building. Uh, our masses are open here in Louisiana. Rose is really excited, and we, we're bringing her to the Triduum. I think we're going to try to pull off Holy Saturday. For families or for young people who are listening who want to celebrate Holy Week in an intentional way in their homes and then at the church, what are some things that we can do to offer that suffering up or even just to kind of keep our mind consistently turned? I know there's this tradition of, of the Tenabre prayers. Can you can you just tell us maybe some, some practical things? We yeah, can for do? sure. And you actually touched on something I was praying about earlier, Katie. Um, I'll get to that. First, I would just say that uh, because the suffering that leads to the glory is the, the sort of story this week, it's always good to look at our Lenten fasts or whatever we chose to abstain mm-hmm. from. And, and sort of lean into that a little more intensely or offer even more to the Lord to not deny ourselves a little more, you know, kind of stretch the fast for this week, precisely to be able to enter into and relate to Christ in the midst of a bit of dryness or suffering. So practically, we can, we can just kind of double down on our sacrifices and our offerings. But I love what you said there about last year, the sort of different approach we had to Holy Week because we couldn't attend services. I think what a lot of people found, if they were able to step forward and, and focus they, they found that like reading the scriptures, sitting with even some of the prayers of the masses, the liturgies, there's so much richness and life right in front of us in this week that, that we typically rush past or, or frankly, because of children and, and the chaos of, of some liturgical experiences, we just don't get to focus. But I think if, if parents, families, anybody really spent time this year, this is such a simple thing, but just looking at the readings from the, each of the liturgies and, and not just like reading through them as like, these are the readings at mass, but saying like, why in the wisdom of the church, why are these readings placed before us? What is the, what is the Holy Spirit saying through the way the church has distilled this over the centuries? Why are these the things that, that the church in her wisdom asks us to pray with? And, and the deeper we sit with that, the more we see the pattern unfold and it, it starts again to be written on our own stories. We say, oh yeah, this is imminently relatable and it's totally salvific. I need this. Um, and then to the question about children, like, however, we can re-narrate that in accessible terms, you know, however, however, we can put that to our children and our families in a way that um, sort of like C.S. Lewis does with Narnia. I always think that's just a great example of like taking the rich mysteries of our faith and synthesizing and summarizing them in story, in an image that is accessible to mm-hmm. a young heart. In the home, when a parent does that in their own pattern, they're not only learning the story well, they're learning how to translate it and transmit it, which draws it into a deeper place for the, the community of the family, but also for the parent or the parents who are, 
are doing that sort of uh, grace guided work mm-hmm. to understand and, and then teach the mysteries. To still be intentional about that, I think, is, is a, a really good invitation. Oh, man, yeah. Just um, to, to keep telling that story. Make holy. And, and praying. So yeah. praying with yeah. his parents, but then just like telling it to each other and noticing mm-hmm. like, why, mm-hmm. why do we do this over and over again? Why do we, what is the church asking of us as, as we repeat this thing? Like we know the parts of the Triduum. We know the parts of the Passion. We pray the stations. But, but why? Why do we keep going back to this? Because it's the, it's the well like that never is exhausted. It's so deep. These riches, we'll never finish plumbing the, the depths of these riches until, until we're done trying. And please God, we stand before him face to face. Yeah, very true. Wow, that is so awesome. Um, so, okay, actually random, a couple days ago, well, it's just not random. This has everything to do with Holy Week. But a couple days ago, my roommates and I were having dinner. This is a very basic Catholic roommate conversation, but each one of us um, just kind of were talking about Holy Week coming up and what our favorite experiences were of Holy Week and then what our favorite days were during Holy Week. And one of my roommates talked about the, is it Tenabre? Tenabre? Am I saying it right? Tenebrae. Yeah. She talked about that and I'd never even heard about it before. Um, and I'd never gone to one of those services, but we just talked about what our favorite day of Holy Week was. And I'm curious what your favorite day of Holy Week is and why is that? Oh man, there's an, it's an impossible question. Cause it's like, what, what I, this is maybe the, this is the answer. The whole thing is one, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no break as it were, like the liturgies kind of flow together. So like we don't finish with a blessing on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, because we're kind of moving into the other liturgies. So the whole thing is one unit. I think of those parts, the readings at the Easter Vigil are what are like just so triumphant. And mm. Tenebrae is a, a prayer, a prayer service oriented toward uh, accentuating the the light, the victory of the light, but but a moving into the darkness and then like the power of the light shattering the darkness. It's the prologue of John's Gospel. I mean, the prologue of John's Gospel. I'm convinced it's like everything, everything. The first, the first section of the first chapter of John. And, and we see that in the Easter Vigil in a special way, looking at these Old Testament readings into the new and the way that like every darkness is conquered. And, and so the symbol of the, uh, the symbol of the Easter candle coming in before the readings uh, is just always to me, like I kind of choke up. And, and as a priest, you're thinking about a lot of stuff. So you can kind of juggle in the liturgy, but but that symbol of this like pitch black church in a single light and then the light spreading out is like, man, that's it. That's everything. Like that is Jesus, the light of the world. That is the triumph over sin and death. That is the end of the story of darkness. And so I just get so fired up every year at that part. And, uh, but, but really just the whole thing, like you, you get to the Easter vigil and delight in it because you prayed on Good Friday through the whole passion and sat in the silence and, and adored the cross. And you did that after having come to the Last Supper. And so, like, they build on each other in a way that by the time you get to the vigil, you're like, yes. <laughs> and then you feast, you know, you break the fast and you celebrate. And mm-hmm. Late into the night, often you have this big meal after the vigil traditionally. And that's uh, just such joy. And that's because it comes through the suffering, the darkness into light. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. I mean, we really do walk through the stations of the cross, like beginning on Holy Thursday, like you are in the garden and then you are hopefully keeping vigil in the garden. Last year, we did a drive up adoration of the cross. I kind of hope they do it again this year. Like we're going to go to church, but I kind of hope they put the cross back out on the street like they did last year because cars just lined up to go and be present. And then, you know, the bells rang out on Easter Sunday. Nobody was there, but they rang out. And like you said, Father, there's that, that overwhelming joy we always ask at the end of our episodes, what a reason for your hope is. 
So maybe tangentially related to Holy Week. Did I say that word right? Uh, <laughs> the coffee hasn't hit yet this morning. Um, maybe related to Holy Week. We'll give you a second to think about it. I can answer first. But what's a reason for your hope in the, in the coming week? I would, I mean, I, I, just to relate it to where we are, like as we begin to, life starts to become more normal. We start to recognize that we're coming out of a, a pretty dark season. As a priest, you get to enter into that darkness with people in a great and privileged way, a painful way. But having walked with so many people throughout this, this last season who were just in a really bad place and, and seeing universally uh, the light break into their darkness, like the, the Lord personally and profoundly overcoming triumph or overcoming struggles within them and, and showing them his triumph. Coming into Easter now, as we see that pattern in the liturgy for the whole church and, and having behind us this like host of witnesses to the fact that, yeah, that's actually true. And I could tell you a thousand stories about the way I saw it happen for people in the darkness of the shutdowns and the pandemic to now be able to, to gather and celebrate that liturgically just unites the personal piety, the interior life with the public celebratory worship. And I just see a, with a greater conviction, the power of the light coming out of this and the way I think we celebrated this year, it's going to relate. It's going to touch our hearts in a way that's like, oh, yeah, I know that story. I've lived that. Mm-hmm. And please, God, I'll stay faithful to it. And it'll, it'll just keep deepening my, my commitment and conviction and my delight in standing in the light, having overcome the darkness. That's good. I've lived that. Like, I can point to the, the cross that I've carried now. And it's not, a, it's not an abstract thing. That's really yeah. beautiful. Chanel, do you have a reason for your hope this week? Oh, gosh. Okay. Reason for my hope this week would just be to really live Lent and Holy Week more intentionally. So I just have not been doing it well, but, you know, I kind of think about what well even means during this time period. So I'm giving myself grace, but just to live it more intentionally and actually remember that it's Friday and remember that I should be doing certain things. So yeah, I'm really hopeful that I can do that. And that out of this Holy Week, I can be just closer to God. So that's the big G goal and hope. How about you, Katie? (laughs) Uh, mine's super simple. We have been having some plumbing oh issues uh, in our laundry room, like totally weird. We think there's some roots that are growing over the pipes. And so we've got the plumbers coming to take care of that. It just kind of feels like a friend told me that if you have plumbing issues, it means the devil hates you. I don't know if that's okay. true, but I'm choosing to embrace that the spiritual attack is coming in the form of a flooded laundry room. So I'm hopeful that we can get that resolved quickly and I can do laundry again for the whole family. And I think it will be um, on a more spiritual level. I'm very hopeful, very excited to bring Rose to the Triduum yeah. services. She's definitely in that age of, of curiosity. It, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day. So we asked her about why do we celebrate St. Patrick's Day? And she told us this morning because Jesus told us yes. to. So she's very much, she's got this very specific little brain where Jesus is associated with everything. So I'm excited to hopefully like share with that with her. And I, I know she's going to love the, the Holy Saturday Mass. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that goes well, that we don't have to take too many potty breaks <laughs> because, you know, you know <laughs> so Father, where can we follow you and learn more about all the awesome stuff you're doing? Oh, you know, just social media at Father John Burns. Father spelled out is my handle on, I think, most platforms. Um, I don't have like a podcast or I don't really do a lot of videos or anything else. I'm discerning yes. that, but I just try <laughs> I like to keep quiet. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm still firmly in the camp that you and Sister Miriam should do a podcast on healing. We'll talk. Yes, <laughs> I want that awesome. to happen. I'm down. I'm down. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, Father. You guys, good to be with you. Praise the Lord. Here we go. 
Links to Father John Burns' social media are down in the show notes, along with links to his previous episodes for Ave Spotlight and Ave Explores. Lots of great things that he's done for us before, as well as his book with Ave Maria Press. We hope you follow him. And we'd be grateful if you'd follow us over at Instagram, at Ave Maria Press, on Facebook as well. We have a new Ave Explores series beginning soon on Faith and Science. And Chanel Shaw will be continuing Ave Spotlight as the solo host in the next few weeks. So stick around, subscribe, give the show a rating and review so that you can continue to follow all of her adventures with these great conversations she's having. We're always grateful to have you with us, and we hope that you have a hope-filled week. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.